Community colleges across the state of Maryland have a plan to give free tuition to everyone coming up in 2019. Also, four women accused New York Attorney General Eric Schneidelman of physical abuse, and he has the quickest resignation probably in the history of politics. We also have lots of sad stories, lots of tragic stories coming from the eruption in Hawaii, a volcano, that's the Kilauea volcano going on still right now. But even those stories aren't big enough to crack the top 10, as massive they were across the week, and as you cared about, not quite the tops for what you saw on social media. So, which ones were actually at the top? We'll get to those in just a moment here on the weekly wrap-up show here from thisisaconversation.com. This is the show for the week ending May the 12th, 2018. And welcome to the show. My name is Jay Coon Payne, your host of the weekly wrap-up show here on This Is Conversation or from thisisconversation.com. Say not actually on all the time, but we are technically there because it's the internet. We're wherever you want to be, whenever you want us to be. And that's how the whole thing works in a sense. The background for the website, the movement, and this podcast is every single day in hourly increments or so, we post different links to different stories across different platforms, different news articles from different sources. So they're all more or less legit. Every so often something slips by us, but they're pretty much the big guys. And if you don't trust them, then they're none of them are legit, if that's the way you think about it. But it's the mainstream media sites with their links to stories and their bent and their ideas on it. Some of them silly, some of them serious, some of them well in between. And we let you tell us which ones are the most important for the week. So we're not always talking about how Trump did a thing because Trump always does a thing. But maybe we'll highlight a few other things that didn't get into the big lineups on the big shows because, you know, Trump was doing his thing. You get these things in the lineup, whatever things they are, by just interacting with them on social media. Follow us on Facebook. Look for This is a Conversation and make sure that we are in your feed. You set us up to be a main source of news. We ain't the whack stuff like those other guys. And, of course, follow us on Twitter, TH underscore conversation. And when you see our stories, our links, our chat stuff pop up in your feed, interact with it. Like it, love it, share it, hate it, reply to it. The more interactions each post get, the higher engagement it goes up. We take all those numbers, put them in a spreadsheet early Friday morning. Some numbers get crunched, some buttons get done, someone else does a spreadsheet. I don't do math. And then I basically come do the heavy lifting. Actually, no, I just get to read them down a list. Heavy lifting is done by someone else. And we go through the top 10 in the first segment of this week. So what stories you thought were the biggest stories for the week? The second segment this week, we are scheduled to have a great guest. His name is Chuck Walters, and I will talk about an awesome podcast that I stumbled upon and instantly fell in love with. And the two hosts of this podcast are a great contrast in thought because one's a liberal, one's a conservative, and they do a lot of hard work in putting out weekly episodes that really show two people who can get along with each other talking about the issues they don't actually see eye to eye with and some of the other things Chuck does as well. We will finally wrap up the show in the final segment with the almost irrelevant story of the week. This week we had a pretty big week, 132 specific stories, 132 specific posts, and no super stories this week, so everything is straight up as it is. We'll round out the top 15. We'll get in as many other headlines in between as we have time for. And we're going to work on the clock and be a bit more brevity-ish, which is not a word. But we're going to work on making sure we get our timing straight because if we can do more interviews, 
The interviews, of course, take up more time, and I've been getting a little bit more chatty in the top ten. So let's get a bit more focused in the top ten. Oh, by the way, we will highlight a couple of great uh, responders out there on Facebook and Twitter, so listen for your name towards the end of the program. That's called a tease, folks. And just thank you so much for all the feedback we've been getting lately. It helps a lot, and hopefully we are making all the improvements that you are tossing out there, including, as I just mentioned, being a bit more brief in the delivery. So let's go ahead and get started with the top 10 list, starting off with story on the 10 right now. The headline for that story is Mormon Church to End 105-Year Relationship with the Boy Scouts. We got this link from CNN.com, the story uh, where we posted. It got a pretty good response, and we had a nice response for the week, but we'll get to that as we go through the rankings here or there. But first, the story on the Boy Scouts. Reading a few story, a few lines from the article goes like this. The Mormon Church is parting ways with the Boy Scouts of America after more than a century. In a joint statement Tuesday night, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and the Boy Scouts of America announced their decision to end their relationship next year after 105 years. The Boy Scouts serves 330,000 Mormon youth, and the Mormon Church is one of its largest sponsors. The quote, we have jointly determined that, effective December 31st, 2019, the Church will con- conclude its relationship as a chartered organization with all scouting programs around the world, the statement said. Why is this happening? Because the Boy Scouts, as we had in last week's, are dropping the name boy or the word boy from the scouting organization. Their new name now, Scouts BSA, and they're allowing women or girls to be in the major scout organization. This is weirding out a lot of people, a lot of groups, including churches, a large supporter of the Boy Scouts were churches and the Mormon Church, a very large sponsor and supporter of the Boy Scouts of America. Since they're no longer be a Boy Scouts of America, they are pulling out of their partnership officially. And this is 2019 is when it's all said and done. There'll be no more church sponsored Boy Scouts events. So if your church, if your Mormon church has a scouting troop attached to it, that's not going to be that's that's done by 2019. We'll see how the future of the organization will go for Basically, both groups. The church is probably fine. Boy Scouts is going to have some issues as it comes up with a new way to promote itself under its new identity. We'll see how that all works out. Now, the number nine story is a virtual tie with the number 10 story. So there's no real jump in response. The winning out of this one is the fact that one was posted a little bit earlier than the other. The number nine story posted on Friday, so it had the weekend to marinade. This story headlined, British schools are moving analog clocks from classrooms because kids can't read them. This story posted on the website or in social media on Friday, the 4th. So it posted earlier, which gave it the jump. The tiebreak was its earliness. And the Mormon story, the Mormon church breaking away from the Boy Scouts, posted on Wednesday, the 9th, by the way, just so that's there. But no real jump in response between the two because they're a virtual tie in response from Facebook and Twitter. This is simple. British schools are giving up on analog clocks because nobody can read them. Specifically, the young kids can't read them, so they're having to teach all children how to keep up with time. And this is something that was was odd because I had a conversation with a person older than I am. I'm middle 40s, and this guy is uh, early 60s. And he says, basically, he looks at his watch on his arm, which has the old analog and the digital inside of it, and he sometimes has trouble reading the analog clock because, you know, most things are digital nowadays. His grandson can't read a digital, can't read analog clock. Uh, My daughter can tell time. She's six. But she can't read an analog clock. She can read the numbers on digital clock. So this may be a trend, a very sad trend, uh, where people get retro by having hands on their arms because the clock, all the watches are digital or 
Now these days, all the watches are in their pockets on their phones. Let's move to number eight story four this week. The headline that was posted in our social media because it changed from the actual article. We posted straight from the article read like this. Black Yale student Lalede Simobola questioned by police at her dorm. However, the headline, as most people saw it and as we saw it on USA Today, the source for the story read like this. Black Yale student reported to police for sleeping in her dorm. This story was one of many seemingly racially tinged stories to pop up on the day this was posted. So it turned into a witch's witch story we post. And this one was one that got the most response for the weeks, at least at this point. May the 10th is when we posted the story. And I'm going to read some quickly from the story. We, Like I said, we posted from USA Today. It went viral pretty quickly what's going on, including uh, posting pictures of the white student who, of course, called in the black student who was sleeping in a dorm. But here comes from the article. A black graduate student who had fallen asleep in her Yale University dorm room's common area had to prove to police she was a student there in an interaction lasting more than 15 minutes. A white student found Lodea Simboloa uh, sleeping on a couch in Yale's Hall of Graduate Studies and called officers. Simboloa posted two videos on the Monday incident on Facebook. She said she was woken by the student who had told her she was not allowed to be there and called on the authorities. In the videos, Simi Ebola tells officers the student who reported her had previously reported a black friend of hers who was in the stairwell in the building a few months ago. Thursday, Yale Daily News reports Simi Ebola updated her Facebook post to identify the student who had called police as Sarah Brach, a philosophy student. Brach did not immediately respond to requests for comments from USA Today. But trust me, she got plenty of responses uh, as the day went on. Now, this is the weird thing about this. I'm going to be really quick and not go into all the hate and vitriol I want to on this subject. But this was just really stupid. This is a lady who, because she was a white person, apparently fearing for random black people sleeping in the dorm, uh, getting upset about it. When in actuality, not only did the lady belong there, was a student there had a key to her room and just fell asleep in the common area because college students do that. She just had a habit of just calling the police on black students who were just in the dorm as if there are no black students across the entire campus. One would think that's kind of weird. Now we believe we have, at least we have reporting that she may have some you know, white nationalist ties or something like that. That goes really deeper into what we have and not what we have with the initial story. But as you would expect, many people will put up the quick outrage and then the long-term outrage in the issue in itself. It proves a lot of things. One, we still have a long way to go in the basic understandings of ourselves, the basic understandings of our cultures, and in just general manners in some sense. That story, by the way, getting just a slight bump in response from the nine story, which was the British schools getting rid of clocks, or at least anti-clocks, only 1.08% from there. Moving on to the seven story, New York Mets are cutting ties with struggling pitcher Matt Harvey. The headline we posted Friday, May the 4th, bump in response from the eight in this one, 12.77%. Uh, now let's get a couple lines from the source material we had from this story, which was CBS News. New York Mets are cutting ties with pitcher Matt Harvey, designating him for assignment after he refused a de demotion to the minor league. Harvey, 29, was once considered a star on the team, but after injuries have plagued him shortly since 2013 debut. 
General Manager Sandy Alderson said Friday that the 29-year-old right-hander refused a minor league assignment and will be designated for assignment Saturday. Because of Harvey's $5,625,000 salary, a trade may be difficult to work out unless the Mets agree to send cash as part of the deal. Now, whatever happened, may, I think already happened because Matt Harvey has already been assigned to another team. He had leave, I believe he's a part of the Cincinnati Reds. It's a little early in the season for me to really keep up with baseball, to be honest, especially with basketball and hockey in full swing now. And we just wrapped up the NFL draft. But baseball is a slog, a long, a long haul. And this is a pretty big deal for baseball fans, especially in New York as uh, one of our big Met fans inside of the, uh, f- the Facebook page uh, kind of didn't quite go to tears, but was wondering why to get rid of them sooner. The next headline, short, sweet, powerful, gets the message across. It says, rockets fired at Israel from Syria, Israel says. We posted this on Wednesday, May the 9th. Bumper response from the 7 story on getting rid of Matt Harvey, that being the, Met, the Mets, uh, 15.09% on that upgrade. Now, quickly from the story, which was updated originally, we sourced it from CNN.com, and so they've changed it because the whole story was updated. But we'll read it as it is now, of course. Israel claims it struck almost all its Iran military capabilities in Syria after what it says was an Iranian missile attack on the Golan Heights. In the most direct confrontation between Israel and Iran to date, the regional enemies exchanged fire for hours late Wednesday. The extended barrage of fire comes amid soaring tensions between Israel and Iran, rivals battling for regional influence, and less than two days after the United States withdrew from the deal to curb Iran's nuclear program. And that little piece is sort of a really key incident in this incident. Of course, the U.S. pulled out of the Iranian deal a couple days ago as of this recording. And in the meantime, some Syrian rockets believed to be the owner owned by Iran or assets of, of basically given by then were fired towards Israel's way. Israel was able to basically intercept them and, you know, retaliate. But this, of course, is a thousand year old uh, dispute going on. So it's not going to be fixed anytime soon, probably, unless, you know, Trump does something. Apparently he does a lot of other stuff. Maybe he can actually fix this. I did say that out loud, didn't I? But. This is a serious issue going on back, you know, obviously thousands of years with the actual incident and within the last uh, 40, 50 years with the grabbing back and forth of how Iran is dealing with its own issues and situations and political situations. A lot of it based on dealing with us, to be honest. I'm not saying that we are the blame, but sometimes we can be the blame on both ends. This is obviously not going to be solved anytime soon. So just basically, you know, stay tuned to see how this comes out and whether some sort of resolution or at least some curbing of missiles and rockets being fired back and forth will happen in the near future. So for the number five story, bumper response is slight, only 0.82 percent, just slightly. But it's actually a more poignant story than one would lead you to believe, at least the title would. We sent the title as New York Times opinion columnist asked you to save Barnes and Noble. We posted this on Monday, May the 7th, and there was a bigger title in the story. I don't have the full story pulled in front of me, but here's the gist of it. A a columnist for New York Times is asking you to save Barnes and Noble because they're asking you to save local bookstores. The biggest kind of kerfuffle in this whole thing, the thing that kind of stretched people out of proportion for this is Barnes & Noble itself is part of the problem with local bookstores not being there. 
although the Barnes Noble model and, of course, the Borders and Books a Million model, back when there were three major chains fighting for space and putting out of business the smaller bookstores, Borders, of course, folded under its own weight because it just had too much stuff, literally. Barnes Noble was somehow able to live on, mostly through the fact that they had a symbiotic relationship with their Nook browser, their, their Nook player, their, their electronic reader that was rivaling the Amazon reader, but now it isn't. So Amazon, without any physical stores, is still able to outsell and outmaneuver the bookstores, which has to actually have people in place to hold books. So Barnes & Noble is becoming a dinosaur here, there as bookstores, or places that go and see books, is becoming a rarity. In fact, libraries are coming a kind of a rarity in itself, but they're not the same type of deal. So you can't just say, well, we'll all go to the library because that doesn't really fill the gap for bookstores. The book world and the book business, not exactly setting the world on fire right now, but books are still being sold, still being written, and you're still seeing headlines and very famous people getting lots and lots and lots of money in advances that can probably never be made up because they put their thoughts into a book. Books are important. Bookstores are kind of important. Is Barnes & Noble important in its own? Maybe, maybe not. But if you have a local bookstore that's able to meet up your needs, make sure you check them out and offer them any support you can, which, of course, means, yes, buying some books, not just stopping by for coffee. Moving on to the next story, it occupies our four spot this week. Actress Catherine Godbold dies age 43 after a decade-long brain cancer battle. This one posted on Saturday, May 5th. This is actually our top Twitter story for the week. Bumper response from the five story of 10.57%. Very significant on this one. We're going to read from the source that we had here, and that is from Nine News over in Australia. Yes, Australia. Let me read a couple lines from here. Despite her brain being significantly affected by large seizures in recent weeks, Australian actress Catherine Godbold kept her cheery spirit with her until her death yesterday. The home and away star known as Kathy died age 43 yesterday afternoon as a result of a terminal brain tumor, more than a decade after she was first diagnosed with cancer. Close family friend Sally Brown, who visited Kathy daily in the weeks leading up to her death, told Nine News the actress would sit bold upright and dance whenever Coldplay CDs were played after a hospital bedside. Kathy was a wonderful young woman and a very talented young actress, she said. Kathy was first diagnosed with brain cancer in July of 2007, after which she had the first of two brain tumors she would suffer from throughout her life removed and then underwent chemotherapy treatment at Melbourne Hospital. She was unable to work for multiple years due to illness. At the time, age 32, Kathy said the diagnosis came as a shock, but was confident of overcoming the disease. Of course, she survived 10 full years of the illness, and she had the great disposition to kind of get through this day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute. She not, may not be that well known here in the States, but enough folks saw the headline on Twitter and enough people who knew her from her work in Australia. This is a worldwide thing, after all. Uh, we're able to push this one up, and we're glad that we could do that and glad we can spread that word out to you across the Internet. This one is a very sad one. This headline we sent out on Sunday, May the 6th. This is a bumper response for the story. It's a very large bumper response uh, for the three-story. It is 170% from the four. The headline, Baby Dies After Dog Attack in Sherman Oaks. Now, bear with us. This is going to get a little, a little, little graphic, if you will. 
moving to the source that we got it from. The source was the NBC Bay Area News website. It is written as a local story because essentially it is a local story. So let's just read from the story. On Saturday, an infant was attacked by dogs on the 14400 block of Benefit Street in Sherman Oaks and transported to a hospital in critical condition. Later, the three-month-old baby died in what investigators are calling a tragic accident. A family member rushed the infant to the hospital at approximately 3.30 p.m. with critical injuries. Unfortunately, the little baby girl died later in that evening. LAPD said they were still trying to determine which of the three dogs attacked the infant, though they do not believe the incident occurred due to any negligence. All three dogs were taken into custody by animal control officers. Police say the animal control will determine which dog attacked the infant and make a determination on whether the animal needs to be put down. We're just going to leave it out there, plain and simple. Our thoughts, our prayers are going out to the family of that young, that young, young baby. We're going lighthearted for a number two story for this week. This headline, it's also a story that also proves that we do have a larger audience than just the people I see, know, and hear in the continental USA. This is our second story that has a our Australian um, origin to it, if you will. Uh, the headline we saw, I literally saw something trending on Facebook and chased it down to an article, watched the little clip from it, was in stunning disbelief and decided to see what would happen, and we got plenty of response. This one rolled to the top pretty quickly. Uh, posted it yesterday, Thursday, May 10th. Uh, this is expert claims parents should ask baby's consent before changing their nappies. And that's one of the main, main reasons you know this is something that's international, because we don't call them nappies here. Now, if you don't quite get the context, basically the experts saying that you should ask your baby when it's time to change your diaper if they're cool with that. Let me get, well, details first. This gets a bumper response from the three-story of 4.62%. There you have it. You have a lot of great response and a lot of great back and forth on Facebook and Twitter for this one in our timelines. And from the source material, we will go there and just read a bit from the thing. We pulled it off the um, MSM news listing, but the source material was the Birmingham Mail. There's also some talk from the Mirror in the article, but of course, the source we received this from was an it was an interview done on ABC, the Australian broadcast company. Let me just read a bit of it. Parents should ask babies for their permission before changing their nappies, according to a sexuality expert. Deanna Carson describes herself on Twitter as a sexually educated speaker and author claims parents should seek consent in order to set up a culture of consent from birth. So far, so good. She said she works with children from three years old on issues surrounding consent, but added that parents are advised to introduce ideas much earlier, reports the Mirror. Speaking on ABC, Deanne suggests parents ask, quote, I'm going to change your nappy now. Is that okay? You like my accent? How's my accent? Deanna recognized that babies are unable to give an answer, but said it is important to use eye contact to teach them their response matters. The conversation onto the social media, at least through our feeds, went to a lot of back and forth, a lot of eye rolling, a lot of gifs on eye rolling, and a lot of confusion as to, well, what happens when they actually say no, which would be kind of confusing. Uh, including a question on, well, would you rather just sit in your mess or just kind of lay there all day? That's basically my thought on that. But she believes you offer up a conduit for consent early on by asking babies in the real baby stage, hey, can I change your diaper? You cool with that? I wonder, would your baby be cool with that? 
Let us know in the responses. And now the final story in the top 10 this week, the big story, at least per you. Let's start off with the stats. We go down to the top 10 story. The number 10 story this week was, of course, Mormon Church leaving the Boy Scouts or, or leaving mutually leaving. Bumper response from that story was 1,847%. The bumper response from the almost irrelevant story, we'll get to much later, number 132 was, is... To 22,537%. Uh, that's how much higher it was in that one. From the number two story itself, only 307% more engaging. This story was the top story on Facebook and a very, very, very high trending story on Twitter as well. Uh, this story fixes the problem we had last week where we had no Kanye because it makes sure we not only have Kanye, Kanye is where he wants to be, and that's at the top spot. The headline Tanishi Coates weighs in on Kanye West's situation in the Atlantic. Monday, May the 7th is when we posted this story, the link to the story, and it is the link to his write-up, his op-ed in the Atlantic on Kanye West, saying that Kanye West is only doing what many famous black people have done many times over, well before him, and will continue to do beyond our, our recognition of time. He wants to be so famous, he basically wants to be, quote-unquote, white famous he wants the same fame that all the other non-black yellow red green people have they're just famous so he wants that sort of colorblind famous that for being whatever and that's why he's latching on to the donald trump thing along with many other things is going on he's so omnibus omni-famous omni-big that it doesn't matter that he's a black guy and that people are looking up to him because he is doing what they want to do it doesn't matter. He just wants to be famous. It doesn't matter. A lot of the overtones are brought in on the Michael Jackson situation where Michael Jackson literally went from being a dark-skinned black guy with a big nose and an afro to a pale person with a very skinny nose and complexion and sort of demeanor that wasn't quite exactly what you'd call a, 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 a cultural thing, cultural norm. Just he, he went from being a black guy to a white lady, a lot of people joke, way back in the day. And so Kanye West wants a similar thing, except he doesn't want to bleach his skin. Uh, he's married to a non-black person. I believe um, the Kardashians are Armenian, essentially. Uh, but that's not, and that's not even the, the deal itself. It's that Kanye, in his mind, in his glory, in his fame, in his head, wants to be so Kanye that Kanye transcends, you know, something as shackling as race. That's you got. You have to read the piece to really get the gist of what um, um, Coates is saying in that one. So uh, once again, being a big voice for our times, for our generation, uh, I say our because I am African-American, being a big voice for that in our generation for time and what's going on. Everything in the article I wasn't exactly how I would state it, so I can't say I'm 100% down with the whole article. But it, one, fixes the Kanye problem because I get to talk about Kanye in the top segment. And two, puts sheds light on a larger situation that people don't really see, the nuances that uh, people outside of the culture, my culture partic particularly, may not get in a situation. And sometimes these uncomfortable things are good to have. Sometimes they make things worse, but this is a case where it's an uncomfortable situation, an uncomfortable subject that we, in the air quotes, talk about at times, but we don't share with y'all. And now he's shared it with y'all, so 
you guys can kind of join in a conversation. And that's it for the top 10 for this week. We struggled, we fitted, we fitzed, we went a whole bunch of stuff, and we probably weren't as good with the time as we should have been. So we'll see how that works out in the latter part of the show. But we want to make sure you know how you can get your voices put into the former part of the show. Follow us on Facebook at This Is The Conversation. Make sure you set us so we are visible in your feed. We come down with our posts in your main feed. Follow us on Twitter at TH underscore conversation. And make sure when you see our posts that come from various sources and they're all credible, uh, mostly credible, you interact with them if they seem like something you're interested in. You can like it. You can love it. You can hate it. You can reply to it. You can share it with other people out there and spread the word out there so we get more people attached to it into the conversation. And, of course, the more engagement each post gets, the higher it gets into the countdown every single week. Coming up in just a bit, we're going to talk with Chuck Walters and talk about podcasting, talk about politics, and um, he's going to play the brackets. We'll see how well he does with this week's batch of stories and which story of the top 10 he latches onto from This Is The Conversation's weekly wrap-up show for the week ending May the 12th, 2018. Chuck Walters is one of the hosts of the Rants and Reason podcast. He and his co-host Karen get together for a few times a week with some very well-detailed, very well-researched ideas between a liberal and a conservative having what is a very detailed and civil discussion on the ideas and the politics behind the ideas that divide us as a nation here in the United States. I found their podcast when I believe Karen posted something inside one of the Facebook groups that do podcastings. And as I listened, I immediately had to share the podcast with all my network. So it was that good. Hopefully they appreciate it. And I appreciate it. The interaction I've got with them in their podcast group. Now, Chuck will tell you about a lot of things that he does within podcasting, the origin of this podcast and how the whole thing was more or less kismet, just sort of meant to be in here. And then of course, He'll play the brackets game and talk about what topic that he believes of this week's top 10 is the big one from his point of view and get his perspective on that one. And so with that, we'll go ahead and get into the interview for this week. Glad to have two weeks of interviews in a row. And as we do for the people we reach out to to play the brackets, we ask them up front, hey, so what is it that you tell people that you do? What I do is are three podcasts. I am a member of Rants and Reason. That's kind of a quasi-political, more news and fact-based podcast. I'm a member of History Dweeds, which is kind of a comedy, true crime podcast. And I'm a member of Deadball, which is a about baseball and kind of the tragic lives that a lot of these guys led. Now, an unfortunate side effect of podcasting is you want to do multiple podcasts. You do multiple podcasts with multiple people. How do you make that work? Well... I'm a member of Deadball and History Dweebs, but I don't do any research or any script. I really just show up to record. Rants is kind of my own baby, mining Karens, and that's the one I put the most time into. So the other two take very little time. Now, Rants and Reason is a podcast that I believe Karen posted something 
on one of the many podcast groups on Facebook. I listened to it and immediately started sharing with friends. And it's very rarely that I do something like that because the two hosts, you and Karen, one a liberal, one a conservative, went over the fact that you both are friends and like each other. But sometimes the topics you have issues with and you did it in a very calm manner discussing a lot of great things. How did you guys come up with the rants and reasons in the first place? Well, it's a long story, and I'll try to keep it brief. I'm a member of History Dweebs. History Dweebs has a very large following. We had a get-together in Cincinnati, and I met Karen there, and she made a kind of a comment about being a conservative and me being liberal. You know, I just kind of teased her about a bunch of stuff. And then as it went on, it was a three-day event, and I talked to her more, and we primarily talked about politics. And we found out that while she's a conservative and I'm a liberal there's this overlap of what we both are core beliefs and core values. And if you actually sat down and talked to someone on the other side face-to-face, what you would find out is that you agreed on far more things than you disagreed on. And we came to this conclusion that really, if you're a liberal or a conservative, we're not, neither side is really being served by our leaders. And that's kind of a problem. The other problem is, is so many of the arguments that are made are based on opinion and not fact. And if you listen to Rants and Reason, people kind of expect it to be a liberal and a conservative, you know, kind of going after each other on different topics. What we agreed is to say, these are the facts. You know, when we did gun, we did one on the AR-15, why it is the chosen gun for school shooters. It's the perfect gun for that. And we went in to describe what the AR-15 does, how it was built, you know, a lot of things. But basically, really, the basis of it is you can have your opinion on the left and you can have your opinion on the right. But I'm a liberal and she's a conservative. And we both agree these are the facts. So base your opinions on that. Because Karen comes from a criminology background. So she's an incredible researcher. And after that meetup, when things would happen in the news, I'd shoot her a PM on Facebook and try to get her opinion. And I found out one thing that I would never say on this show. She's incredibly smart, and she is an amazing researcher, and she has her facts down on everything. So we decided to do a blog, and we did that for a short period of time. And I said, let's just do a podcast. And she said, I don't want to do a podcast where we're going to be arguing with each other, because that's what you hear everywhere. We would like to do a podcast where you could sit down across from each other, because I believe in real life, if you could do that, attitudes would change. And you could actually hear people and listen to people. So that was kind of the genesis of that. And we started it, and it's it's not a massive podcast. I don't think it will ever be a massive podcast, because I think we're in a place where people want to hear what they want to hear. And we are not necessarily doing that. Does that make sense? That makes sense, but you said something that that piqued my interest. Um, You said you started out trying to do a blog. Why did the blog not work? We decided instead to do a podcast because the blog, well, (laughs) the blog didn't work primarily because of my ego. And I I will say this, Karen, if you've heard the show Rants and Reason, Karen, I get a lot of facts, and Karen kind of puts the show together. And she she really is a gifted writer. And on the blog, I realized I was kind of outgunned when I was trying to put my positions up. So we decided, we, were, we were thinking about it, and we thought, you know, maybe we could reach more people if we did a podcast. So we decided to do it that way. And if we get time, we're going to go back to the blog, but we, we decided a podcast was probably a better medium for getting out what we wanted to get out. 
And just like your transition together for rants and reasons, we're going to make this time and transition out of the interview part and get into the brackets, talk to games and talk to news for the week. Now, very quickly, I will go over the rules and regulations for the brackets games for those who have not heard us play this game in the podcast before. What we have is a game where we go through the top 10 stories of the week. We just put them down in the first segment, and I will offer them to you, Chuck, bracket style, two at a time. And because there's 10 of them, they're uneven, you get a chance to pass on one group moving ahead to the next level to see which story is the top for the week. And just to confirm, I did give you a clue of what was trending a day before, but you do not have the full top 10 list as published today, correct? I do not. So are you ready to go ahead and try to play the game today? I am. Okay, so we're going to start off. I've rearranged them in either out of order, so but they are the top ten stories from this week. And so the first two stories are the three and the seven for this week, and you just choose a story to pull forward or choose to pass, if you will. The headline for the first one, number three, baby dies of the dog attack in Sherman Oaks. The number seven story, New York Mets are cutting ties with struggling pitcher Matt Harvey. Not, not is not a matter of importance. It's just whatever story you think you'd like to move forward or um, pass. I'd like Harvey to move forward on that. All right. We're moving ahead, Matt Harvey. The next batching is with the nine and the five story this week. Number nine, British schools are removing analog clocks from classrooms because kids can't read them. The number five story, New York Times opinion columnist asks you to save Barnes and Noble. Are oh, you like those two or you want to? pass on that grouping there let's pass on that group all right so we're passing on those two which means you must take one from each of the ones i give you now on so the okay, next great. the next batch is the eight and the one story this week the eight story black yale student questioned by police at her dorm after falling asleep in common area and the number one story tanishi Coates uh weighs in on kanye west situation in the atlantic which one of those two are we moving forward i'd really like to do the yale one because i have kind of a an experience that happened to me this weekend that kind of relates to that. Not a problem. We're moving that one forward. Next up are the four and the six this week. Actress Catherine Godbold dies, age 43, after decade-long brain cancer uh, battle. Of course, she is an Australian actress, so I had, didn't know that until she popped up in the list. And the number six story, rockets fired at Israel from Syria, Israel says. Which one were we pushing forward in this round? Um, the rockets. And uh-huh. the rockets fired. The rockets fired. Unfortunately, yeah. not a basketball one, but it's rockets that it's pretty important. Well, I think the rockets are going to win all this. So I have an idea that may happen too, but they're not in yet. This week we have to come on the next two from the number two and the ten. Experts claim parents should ask babies' consent before changing their nappies, and the Mormon Church to end the 105-year relationship with the Boy Scouts. Which one of those two stories are moving forward? Um, the Mormon Church. Mormon Church. So now we're going to match up between the seven and the eight story. Number seven story this week was the Mets t- uh, cutting ties with Matt Harvey. And the number eight story is the black Yale student being told she can't sleep in her dorm. I think the Yale one. Okay. Now we're putting together the six and the ten. Number six are rockets fired at Israel from Syria. The number ten story is the Mormon Church ending his relationship with the Boy Scouts. Oh, that's a tough one, but I will go with, um, I'm going to go with the Mormon one. All right. And so we're going to choose between the top next two as your top story. You can have a little time to talk about them both if you want to, but we're going to make a declaration on the story you think out of this week's top 10 is your top story. And it is between the black Yale student who was questioned by police sleeping in her dorm and the Mormon church ending its 105 year relationship 
as a major sponsor of the Boy Scouts. Actually, I'd still like to stick with the Yale story. That is ironically the same story I picked as the top for this week. To just give people the quick explanation of what's going on, this week at Yale, a female student fell asleep in the common area of her dorm. She was just resting and fell asleep. She was told by a white student that she couldn't be there, who then called the police. We find out this week that that white student has a habit of calling police on black students who just happen to be in their dorm. And it took this woman 15 minutes to explain that not only was she okay being there, she had the key to her room, which was right down the hall. So, Chuck, we're going to give you a couple minutes to talk about your feelings on this story. What is your take on this story? Let me give you my what happened to me in Chicago last weekend real quickly, if I because this relates to that. Karen and I were working together on a rants episode, but I was in Chicago to see my son playing a band. So it's at night. I pulled over into this little area uh, that was well lit so I could write and talk to her at the same time. The next thing I know, I have two policemen at my windows, each window. And the policeman says, yeah, it surprised me. The policeman said, what are you doing here? And I said, I'm on a phone call. I, I just need a good lighting. And he said, well, you know, there's a, there's a business over here. They thought you were kind of suspicious. I said, okay, you know, I'm sorry for that. I said, I, I, have my, I don't have my ID with me. The guy said, the policeman said, what is your name? I gave him my name. He didn't check anything. I said, I can, if, you, if I can reach in my pocket, I'll show you my hotel key because it was right next door. He said, no, you're fine. And they both walked away. Now, the thing was, I did not belong there. Obviously, I, I didn't belong there because it was a business. I was at the far edge of the parking lot. And I think in the Yale thing, there was this mentality of because she was a black girl, she didn't belong there. But the way that I was treated was two policemen came up to the car, said, hey, what are you doing? I told them what I was doing. They didn't ask me for ID. They didn't ask me for anything. And they just said, you're good to go. Now, had I myself, you know, I'm 54 years old, I'm white, had I been sleeping, you know, I, I think she was kind of in a common area where she fell asleep. And in college, you know, you do that all the time. It's the, it's the mentality that she didn't belong there that is troubling. But that could have very easily been resolved. You know, it should have never happened to begin with. But it could have very quickly been resolved by just her saying, I'm a student here. And, you know, is, is there a problem at Yale with people coming in and sleeping in the common areas? You know, if that was a common problem, then I could say, see, okay, show us your student ID. And that should have been the end of it. And, and I know you're talking about two different groups of people in two different situations, but, but do you see the huge inherent difference in I kind of didn't belong in the one area. They made the assumption she didn't believe she didn't belong in that area. And there were two completely different reactions. Does that, does that make sense? Do you see how that ties in? I see how that ties in, but let me get a quick, and this must be a 30-second response because I'm going to go back two weeks ago with the issue that happened at the Starbucks where the two young men who happened to be black men were had the police call on them and were actually arrested when they were doing nothing but waiting for a third person to come, and they had not bought anything. Right. Maybe they asked to use the bathroom but hadn't bought anything. And so if we see that as a similar situation – Two people that someone thought didn't belong there, and someone right. and their and the person's their feelings they were scared of they they were suspicious of them whatever. Um, how you know how are we getting in these situations that should be very simple 
uh, question and answers and moving along. Why are people getting their panties bunched up, if you will, because of people they don't think belong there? You know, I think that it's a very simple question or a simple answer uh, that we like to think that we have progressed and we have moved beyond things, but we haven't. I mean, that's the reality of this country. We have not moved beyond this subtle racism that we always carry, that we have all the time. These incidents, I have three boys. They don't run into these kinds of incidents ever. You know, it never happens to them. My twins are 23. My youngest is 20. That never happens to them. They could go into Starbucks and sit there all day. My one son works in Chicago. He's always in Starbucks or a place like that working because he can work remotely. So it's, to me, it's, it's very simple. There's a level of treatment for myself, a 54-year-old white guy, and there's a level of an assumption made for, I don't know how old this young lady was, for her. And it's based on color. It's it's something we don't want to admit, but it's it's there. And that's my view on it. Chuck, thank you for that. Thank you for being so poignant on that. And thank you for joining me for the podcast to do this interview. How should people reach out to you online? And of all the many projects you have podcast-wise, which one is the big one they should focus on? I think Rants and Reason, because I think that's one thing that we are, what we're trying to do is take people with varying views, tell them, here are the issues, here are the facts on the issues, and you can have a civil discussion with someone from what we call the other side. And that can happen. And you've been there, you've seen it. It's People have different views, they're conservative, that's fine. Well, so you can find us on Rants and Reason podcast group or the Rants and Reason podcast on iTunes or Rants and Reason, Rants Reason at Twitter, however you want to find us. But that's the one that I put the most effort into. And actually, it's one I'm the most proud of because I feel like it's doing something to improve something. Just move the needle a tiny bit. If we can move that a tiny bit all the time, we're, we're in better shape. Once again, Chuck Walters for the Rants and Reasons podcast. As I said earlier, I fell in love with the podcast simply on the first listen, signed up for all the things they asked for, did all the fanboy stuff, and, of course, had a chance to reach out to one of the hosts. And I will try my best to get Karen on in the future. But thank you so much, Chuck, for joining us again. And, of course, thank you for letting me in the community. Well, we really appreciate it. We appreciate your support, and we appreciate you being a member. You're a very valuable member because you have you have a lot of very very keen insights. So that's, we appreciate you adding those. Anything else I can do for you, you let me know. Once again, a quick thanks to Chuck Walters from the Rants and Reasons podcast for joining us to play the brackets and talk a little bit about what he has going on. Obviously, we are out of time as we normally would be, so we're going to do things a little different. We're going to keep the format and give you the almost relevant story in just a moment. We'll also ground up top 15. We won't do any extra headlines, but we'll do a short bit of housekeeping if needed. So we'll go through the headlines that are left and see what's left to be done as we wrap out the day. 
Quick shout out to social media followers we have. We told you wait to the end and maybe we'll call your name out. Uh, giving some ups today to Kate Barrett or Kate Barnett, I should say, who gave a lot of talk about the whole nappies and asking babies to change them. And we go to a Twitter love to someone. Let's hope I can get this one right. Uh, at Mixolsi Masango. That's totally butchered. But thank you so much for joining that one. He, of course, uh, replied to the story about the tanker truck that crashed spilling liquid chocolate over the highway in Poland. That one obviously didn't make it into the top 10, but it was, as he said, a sweet water. Anyway, thank you guys for following. Thank you all of you guys for following. And make sure you are sharing what you're seeing and hearing and loving, we hope. Share it with some friends. Share it with a few enemies. Share it with random strangers. And share it with Russian bots because... We do love the Russian bots. I want to make sure that's all plain and clear. Now, the almost relevant story this week, we like we said, we had a very large week of big week, large week, whichever one is the actual quite way to phrase it, of stories listed this week. 132 separate stories this week. So this one, the headline that we had is woman accused of stalking, sending man 65,000 texts after one date. It was posted late in the um Game, although we had a bunch of other stories on Thursday the 10th that made it in, but posted on Thursday the 10th, and it was, as we said, 22,537% less engagement than the number one story, which is Tanishi Coates and his article on Kanye West. But we will give you a chance to listen to the words on the write up for this story because it's too odd to make up. Dateline Paradise Valley, Arizona. Can you imagine getting 65,000 text messages after just one date? An Arizona woman is accused of doing just that. Police arrested 31-year-old Jacqueline Aids after finding her in a Paradise Valley man's bathtub. According to investigators, she had met the guy online about a year ago, but she won't leave him alone. Court documents say Aids sent the victim about 500 messages a day, which included disturbing ones like, I want to wear your body parts and bathe in your blood. Those are her quotes, not ours. Officers say they found a butcher knife in her car when she was most recently arrested on charges of threatening, stalking, and harassment. She is now in jail with no bond, which is probably the way it probably should be for her. Now, rounding up the top 15, some of the stories that we put into the tease to kind of get you into the mood for the news today, if you will. We'll go through those. Just headlines, not a lot of deep dive into the stories because we're running so late today. Number 11 story this week was the Maryland Community Colleges putting together a plan for the state to offer free tuition to anyone who wants it in 2019. This is something that's not necessarily a new thing. This is a growing trend around the nation. And Obama kind of wanted to do this, essentially pay anybody who wanted to go to community colleges, give them the money and make that work. Uh, But now many states and many areas are joining in forces to make this happen, make this affordable so that the education gap, making sure people are trained for good jobs, is lessened for states who are trying to bring in better jobs to their states. Israel Follow tweets divisive YouTube video with anti-gay sentiments. That was totally butchered, but that's the number 12 story for this week. And this is one that once again shows that we may be a bit more international than we think sometimes. This is a football player, as in a rugby player. So the guy, I don't necessarily know what he follows, but he is a staunch Christian, and he tweeted out, just like we sort of do, uh, random things that pop up in YouTube feeds that sort of fit our the beliefs. And that's what he did. He's a star for the Wallabies, which also tells you that he's from the other side of the world. And he got in trouble hot water for that one. Moving on to headline number three or 13, if you will, 
Four women accused New York's Attorney General Eric Snyderman of physical abuse. This was a big deal for about five hours straight, and then it's still sort of an ongoing thing. But the announcement was made, a report was broken. We have had the link to the New Yorker, but a report was broken that Eric Snyderman, who, of course, a big supporter of the U, the Me Too movement, the U2, everybody loves U2, but the Me Too movement, and, of course, he sued Donald Trump, famously sued Donald Trump, and is famously suing Harvey Weinstein, is, of course, accused by women he was having relations with of not just being a little too rough in the sack, of being abusive physically and mentally and all sorts of just weird stuff. Now, Snyderman basically says he was into role play in the sexual acts. The women say it was a little bit more bizarre than that. Within two hours and 57 minutes, we're told he resigned from his job as the AG for New York City. It was pretty much that bad. Going to headline number 14, Hawaii's Kilauea volcano erupts, prompting mandatory evacuations. This is something that was posted on Friday the 4th. It started erupting early uh, early in the week, and it's been essentially going on and on and on all this time. The evacuation orders have not been lifted. In fact, people have meant to go even further. They're expecting the eruption to actually happen again, major eruptions, with boulders and lava being thrown around the size of, of refrigerators uh, up to miles in distance. So this is a very serious, very deadly thing going on in Hawaii, a place that's known for its beauty and its danger. This is the danger showing exactly what it can do. And the 15th story this week, Connecticut to give its electoral college votes to national popular vote victor. Now, this is a bit controversial, but this is sort of the sign of the times as things are going. Connecticut says they're just going to back away and see who wins the popular vote overall, and they're going to give them their votes. They're not going to worry about who they thought was the winner. Well, technically, their their, their votes do count towards a national vote. But when it's all said and done, the winner will get their electoral votes regardless. That way, it'll be a better job of making sure the winner of the national vote probably gets to the head of the electoral college. We'll see if Connecticut is the state that actually figures this out and fixes it, or we deal with this for, you know, four, eight, twelve, how many more years until the thing goes away. Chances are we'll be stuck with the Electoral College for the rest of our lives, but it's a thing that pe- many people believe its time has long gone, so we'll see how that works out. We're going to go ahead and wrap things up on this one. Thank you so much for joining us here for this conversation. As we say, you make the conversation, you pick the stories, and you do it by following us on social media. Go to Facebook, search for This is the Conversation. Make sure you set your filters to allow us to be in your feed. Go to Twitter and look for TH underscore conversation. And as we come through your feeds, like, love, hate, share, reply, do what you want to do to engage with the post because your engagement with the post is what makes the count goes up. They get bigger and bigger and bigger and they reach high enough to be into the top 10 or sometimes not quite high enough to be almost relevant and fall somewhere in between. Share us with friends, family, and random strangers and Russian bots. We love Russian bots. And the big thing is subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out an episode as it comes down every single weekend. And be here again next weekend as we count down from 10 to 1 the top stories as said by you via thisisaconversation.com. <laughs>